time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Hello and welcome to another edition of Reengineering Your Finances. Walter Storholt here alongside Charles Weldy, founder at CP Weldy Group. You can find us online and listen to past episodes by going to cpweldygroup.com. Hey, Charles, how are you doing this week? Doing well, Walter. How about you? Oh, fantastic. And uh, I'm excited for today's show because it's been a long time coming, Charles. Uh, you know, hosting this show for now several months. We've had some questions roll in over that time period. And uh, we're going to feature some great questions. And I think a lot of these are going to be ones that people will identify with, Charles. I'm sure they're the kinds of questions you're hearing about a lot in your office from folks that come in to meet with you. And so we're going to call this the mailbag edition of the program. And I've got all sorts of different questions to throw your way. So we're going to kind of cover all corners of the financial and retirement planning world, which should be kind of fun. So it's going to be a rapid fire, a couple of different questions coming your way. You are all set and you ready to go today? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, perfect. Here we go. By the way, if you ever want to submit questions to be featured on a future show, you can do that on the website, of course. Andy will get us kicked off today. Andy says, I'm selling one of my rental properties in the next month or two, and I don't have plans to buy another one. What's the best thing to do with the money from that sale? Well, Walter, it really depends on when the money will be needed. If it's uh, something that's needed short term, I would you know, tell Andy to invest it conservatively, maybe in a fixed income account. If it was something that he didn't need for a while, and a while to me is seven to 10 plus years, I would invest it long term, perhaps for growth in the stock market. So interesting. You get a lot of questions about rental properties, typically, Charles? Yeah. Most of the questions are, hey, you know, uh, is a 1031 or 1035 exchange appropriate for me? which really just means, hey, can I postpone the gain by another property? But what I'm finding in a lot of cases is uh, it's probably better to pay the tax at the capital gains rates today because a lot of the gains that I'm seeing aren't really substantial. And uh, rather than postpone the gain, pay it at today's historically low tax rates and move, move onward. Very good question, Andy. A lot of people wondering about rental properties, and sometimes it comes down to kind of an emotional stance. You know, is that something you still want to keep doing in your retirement life, or do you want to keep it going? Uh, is it something that you get enjoyment out of in addition to making financial sense? There's kind of two sides to that equation uh, a lot of the time. Yeah. Great question, Andy. Uh, let's get to another one here from Helen. Helen says, are there really no tax implications to rolling over my 401k? I don't really like the investment options in my 401k, but I don't want to roll it over and then get hit with a big tax bill that I wasn't expecting. Well, that's a great question. But I think what we have to do initially, Walter, is really define what a rollover is and what a transfer is. So in my world, a rollover is, hey, you get your distribution from your retirement plan and you have up to 60 days to, quote, roll that money over into another plan. And uh, if you miss the 60 days, it'll all be taxable. Now, each taxpayer is allowed one rollover every year. And every year is considered 365 days. So if I did one today, which is calendar year, say 2019, uh, and now 2020 starts, hey, that's not a new year. It has to be 365 days after the rollover that I just did. So only one rollover a year. Now, let's get into the definition of the word transfer. A transfer is where the money is taken from the existing account and transferred to another account, another qualified account. You can do unlimited transfers during the course of any calendar year. So to answer the question, rollovers are fine, but be sure you only do one rollover a year and it'll be 
not taxable, but a better method may be doing a transfer which means you send it from one custodian to another qualified custodian. Don't touch the money and you can do unlimited amounts of transfers. Really good question there, Helen. Yeah, it can be as simple as just make sure you don't have that check written to yourself and, you know, hold on to it. That'd be like big mistake number one, right? That a lot of people, <laughs> you know, simplest, biggest mistake that you can make is uh, distributing that 401k and then doing nothing with that check that comes in the mail. Make sure you don't let that thing sit around. If you're going to do one thing in your life that you don't procrastinate on, that's the thing to make sure that you don't procrastinate. Good question, Helen. Uh, Ellie has one for you here. Ellie says, I'm a little worried because it seems like all of my friends have a lot more money saved for retirement than I do. Is that a bad sign for me? Well, maybe on the surface she feels that way, but uh, my answer would be not necessarily, because the key to retirement savings is how much money do you need to save for retirement really depends on how much income you're going to need. It's determined by your income gap. So your neighbor or friend might have more money than you, but you might have higher social security benefits, maybe you have a pension and you know the other person doesn't. So really to determine how much money you need for retirement, it's really like what's your income gap? And the income gap is really defined as the difference between what's coming in like clockwork and an example would be social security check and perhaps a pension. And then what do you really need? And the difference between those figures would be your income gap. And your income gap determines how much money you're going to need to save for retirement. So someone that has a small income gap doesn't need to save as much as someone that has a larger income gap. So it's really customized to an individual's uh, specific circumstances. It's another good question. Uh, Covered three so far on today's show. Charles, deep breath. I've got three more on the way for you. And we'll get into some more uh, interesting details and specifics here on this next one. Uh, Randall has this next question for us. I think you'll like this one. Randall says, I'm in my mid-50s and don't have much saved for retirement at all, but I own my own business and I'm having a huge year. (laughs) Best I've ever had by far, Randall says. I'll have some big profits that I can invest for retirement. Where do I start? Well, if he has his own business, uh, my first question would be, how many employees do you have? So if he didn't have many employees, what I would uh, recommend is that he open up a 401k. It's called a 401k solo just for one individual. So assuming he has like very few employees or no employees, that might be the way to go. He can put up to $56,000 a year into that plan. So if he's in the 20% tax bracket and he puts $56,000 away, he saves, you know, uh, what? 20% of $56,000 in taxes. So that might not be a bad uh, suggestion. However, if he has a lot of employees or, you know, a lot of younger employees, he might want to open up what we call a simple IRA. And a simple IRA, although he can't put as much as $56,000 a year in there, he can put in uh, up to, well, he's over 50. Is that correct? He's over 50, Walter? Uh, he says, yes, mid-50s. Yeah, mid-50s. All right. He can put in 16000 a year, uh, and then he can also put in 3% of his salary. So that might be somewhere, you know, depending on the salary, it could be somewhere around 25000 a year, which is not chump change. So the only caveat is that if he wants to open up a 401k, whether it's a traditional 401k or a solo 401k, he has to do it by the end of the year, 1231. If he wants to open up a simple IRA, he has to do it by October 1st. And here we are in the month of November. So that's not a a viable solution for him for calendar year 2019. 
Really good question there, Randall. And uh, now is definitely the time to start. It's never too soon to start preparing for retirement and saving for retirement. So at least you're thinking in the right way of uh, beginning to sort of prioritize that in your life. But we often uh, will hope that people will have done that long before their mid-50s to start saving for retirement. But hopefully you have some big years here stacked up ahead of you, Randall, and the uh, business will continue to do well. Uh, Beth, with the next question on the day, comes to us here and says, my parents bought a whole life insurance policy for my daughter when she was born and we've been paying for the policy ever since they passed away she's about to graduate college should we keep paying on the policy or not it's not cheap well that question kind of surprises me because if the parents bought it for uh their daughter their daughter being uh, you know their their grandchild the grandchild now is in her mid-20s so they had that policy for over 20 years and generally speaking whole life you pay you know good premiums early so that later you know the premiums aren't really that substantial or the policy is paid up so i'd have to look at the policy and see what the cash value was what the death benefit is what the premium is and you know upon the analysis it could be a paid up policy where hey you know what we don't need that much death benefit it has so much cash value let's lower the death benefit we'll have a paid up you know policy forever that's one option the second option might be, hey, you know what? She's uh, in her mid-20s, um, hasn't saved for retirement yet. This is a good policy, but maybe we can enhance it. By that, I mean maybe that policy, instead of being a whole life policy, could be uh, a similar type policy called universal life, index universal life. And without getting into too much detail, Walter, it just has an opportunity, I feel, to maybe grow a little bit quicker or a little bit better, although there's no guarantee. So that might be an option really depending upon what's out there in the marketplace. Or, you know, and basically I think uh, they're the two paid up policy, you transfer it to another one to make it better, maybe to enhance it somewhat. But again, you know, I have to look at the specifics, what her her needs are, what the premiums are, what the cash value is, what the death benefit is to give her, you know, some definite uh, objective advice. So interesting to see the different moving parts from all of these questions all coming at uh, kind of different angles of the financial world. And uh, yeah, a lot of these we're going to need, obviously, more information to give you kind of true advice in the case of Beth's situation there. Depends on the amounts and the, the terms and all of the other moving parts related to the financial plan and kind of what your daughter is doing and what she's all about. So, you know, more information needed there to give you specific uh, examples and answers. But hopefully if you're in a similar situation to Beth, that at least provides you with some food for thought and some uh, ways to approach that problem or question. Rebecca, we'll have our last one of the podcast. You've been ripping through these, Charles. Got one more for you. Uh, Rebecca says, next year, my daughter is moving back to the U.S. after 10 years in Africa. I'm thinking about moving to wherever they end up living here in the States. What do I need to consider before I pick up and move at the age of 67? Well, that's kind of like a uh, kind of a common question. I have people here in Pennsylvania that uh, they you know they live here and retire here, and there's others that move to other states. So when I'm doing plans for you know clients, I want to know like, hey, are you going to live in your house forever for a short period of time? You know, are you planning on moving? And you know, reading the papers recently, I uh, noticed that there's a lot of taxpayers moving out of New York, California, some of these high tax states for lower tax states such as Texas and Florida. Uh, 
And what you really need to realize is that um, these states tax income differently. Uh, Florida has no tax. Texas has no tax. Pennsylvania has a very low tax. And Pennsylvania doesn't tax Social Security, doesn't tax Roth conversions, doesn't tax IRA distributions. So I would want to know where specifically are you looking to move and uh, what's going to be the cost from an income tax point of view of moving to that state. Again, if the income isn't that substantial, it might not be a big deal. But if the income is substantial, it might be more uh, advantageous to maybe look at some of these lower cost states or no taxable states. Well, we covered a lot of ground here, Charles, obviously several questions uh, thrown at you here in a short span of time, but I think it's a good representation of how people will come into your office and you kind of never know what you're going to face, right? They come in and, and they've got kind of their own situation happening, their own details, their own nuances, and then you kind of help see what the problems are and then help navigate through all those different issues and develop a plan. What's it like on your side of things to kind of deal with not knowing what's coming through the office next and not knowing which angle of the financial world's going to need the most attention and how do you develop plans for folks to kind of address all these moving parts? Well, you know, my saying is uh, financial planning is like a box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. And, uh, you know, doing a financial plan and asking like uh, some, you know, uh, specific questions just leads to uh, an ultimate solution for both the client and for myself. So I would just say that um, everyone's different, but, you know, at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want full transparency, no surprises, and, uh, you know, some decent cash flow. Well, if you need some help with your own financial plan and want to reach out to Charles Weldy and talk about improving your situation going forward, you can do that by calling 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. If you're new to the show, Charles is the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA. They're on Route 52. You can find us online at cpweldygroup.com to listen to past episodes of the show and to get in touch with Charles as well, cpweldygroup.com. And we'll put all that info that you need in the description of today's show. So no matter what app you're listening on, you can access that information easily. Just look for the description of today's show and you'll be able to see that in the show notes. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, and more of the popular podcasting apps out there. Just look for the show name, Re-Engineering Your Finances. Well, Charles, that's all the time that we have for on today's podcast. Enjoy the conversation with you as always, and we'll talk again soon. Thank you, Walter. Appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. That's Charles Weldy, and I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.